I was running a very high-profile job. It was a, one of the biggest jobs our company ever run, and there was just a lot at stake. And so my boss pulled all my other responsibility, responsibilities from me um, so I could really just focus on this one job without distraction. So I spent several weeks, you know, studying the prints, walking the job site, detailing everything that would need to happen in order for it to be successful. And the first phase of the project was to demo a bunch of the existing piping equipment, et cetera. So I literally physically walked through the whole plant, put my hands on every single piece of equipment, pipe, anything that needed to be removed, and I actually painted it. I, I spray painted it a particular color so they would know this is what needs to go, this is what needs to stay. Not even an hour into the project, you know, the day finally came, we, we kick off the project, we get in there, and literally not even an hour into the project, all these alarms go off, people are running out of the plant, a few guys are down on the ground coughing, wheezing, trying to catch their breath. Ultimately what happened, there was a guy who went in there, he was cutting out these pipes that needed to be cut out, but there was one little, it was a half inch tube that was running up, and it was just in his way. He, he wanted to get around, it was, it was inconvenient for him to cut these other pipes with this one little pipe in the way, so I'm going to make this easy for myself, I'm just going to hack this out of the way and be done with it. He literally almost killed himself and two other men. And uh, there's a lot more to that story, but the moral is, I mean, th that's, that's mankind. We're always trying to find that shortcut. We're always trying to find an easy way out. And we just don't like to follow directions. If we find a convenient, this looks to be more convenient. This looks to be easier. Let me just do this instead. And I think you could probably think of examples that you've seen, and even in your own life, where you, you've seen that basic example happen. You just want that shortcut. And um, as you know, it doesn't end well. So you need to take direction, and you need to take direction from the one who made the directions. So this morning, we're, this is part two of a, a five-week series on God's all-sufficient word. And this morning, we'll be looking at the, the letter B. So we're in Psalm 119. And as you know, it's called an acrostic psalm. Is that it essentially just follows the alphabet. Um, the first letter of each of the 22 um, phrases have the next preceding alphabet, uh, letter in the, al in the Hebrew alphabet. So it just kind of moves through. The first session we looked at last week was A, this is B. And if you're following along in the notes, I tried to make it convenient. You'll see that pattern going through the notes as well. But um, again, you don't actually see that in the English too well. But one author, he, he calls it, the Christian's golden ABC of the praise, love, power, and the use of the Word of God. So again, there's, no, there's notes if that will help you follow along. Let me start off by reading that text. We're going to be Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in a way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. 
So God gave this passage to you this morning so that you would submit to and rejoice in the direction of God's word for your life. Let's pray. Father, again, we just ask that you would meet with us. Send your spirit. Would this word be much more than just my words? Would it be your words? Would it be your spirit moving? God, would you, even this morning, change hearts, convict hearts? Lord, I pray particularly for our young people. I know it's been a a busy, hectic week, and they probably had a blast, and they're exhausted now. But God, would this... Would you just speak to your people? Would you move in our midst? Would your word have its perfect way? Would it hit its mark? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the direction of God's word for holy living. That's the title this morning. For those of you that were here last week, we looked at the blessing of God's word. And so today we're moving into the direction of God's word. And these two topics go hand in hand. And in fact, you can't have one without the other. It's amazing that God is intimately concerned with both your happiness and your holiness. As we begin in verse 9, first point, ask the ultimate question. This is verse 9a. How can a young man keep his way pure? First, before we dig into this, if if you're not a young man, you might be sitting here, well, it's not me. I, I can check out. I can take a nap. That's this is for you, okay? In the original context, it was particularly written for young men and maybe even specifically one particular young man. But again, it was written for you as well. This has application for boys, girls, men and women. But I got to say, this is uniquely tailored for the young. And we'll see how in just a minute. The next important word is way. You're, you're called to have a, a pure way. So generally, way is the way that you live your life. Lots of people in our context, American context, we just we ask, hey, what do you do for a living? Um, and, and in one sense, that's what is the way that you make your living? But it's not just what you do, it's why you do what you do. How do you see the world? How do you think about what you're doing with your life? Those internal thoughts and feelings are what determines what you actually do. So your way, this, this way that you're on, is actually a process that develops over time. Think about it in the sense of a street. Many streets, you know, we have streets, boulevards, avenues, ways, right, lanes. If you think about it in the sense of a street setting, in our modern day, you know, when a city kind of plans its streets, they, they, they figure where they're going to go, and they have all the modern machines and technology, and they, they kind of plan it out. Here's where the streets are going to be. But in the ancient times, they didn't have that. A way was... Someone at first just walked this way, and there was a little trail on the ground. Then more and more people would walk. Eventually that trail would get bigger, and some wagons would start going on it. Now you get some nice ruts. And, and eventually that, that way, that, that little path becomes a way. It becomes smooth. Over time, it becomes smoother and smoother. And so this is particularly, again, regarding young people. As you're going about your way, you're learning things for the first time. And it's going to be bumpy at first. I don't know, for the, those of you that have a license, um, my first car was a standard. It was a standard, you know, transmission. And it was bumpy. It, you know, I could barely get out of the driveway without getting whiplash. But over time, it just becomes second nature. You don't even think about it. It's, it's smooth. 
So this is, again, that way has that picture of just being a smooth, well-ridden path that you know what's going on. You know how to get through this area in life. So again, this is how it, this text has direct bearing on, on your young folks. You know, this isn't like, oh, you're, you're young, so you're dumb. This is nothing about wisdom or foolishness. The, the Bible makes clear what, what truism is and foolishness is. This is just a fact. If you're young, you have to realize, you have to admit, I don't have all this experience. I, I haven't been through these things a million times. I'm learning my way through these things, and I need direction. So wouldn't it be really nice to know that the path you are laying down for yourself is actually the right path? You're actually going the right way. You're going the right direction. That's what we're to read about this morning. Next, this way is a, a pure way. It's both clean and cleansing. It's clean in, in the sense that it's morally right. It's, and again, this, this morality is according to God's unchanging morality. It's not the, the wisdom of the world, the, the, the morals of the world that changes with the wind. So it's a clean way. It's a pure way. And it's also cleansing in, in the sense that there's plenty of places to pull over and make things right that you have messed up. You're going to get dirty. You're going to get bumps and bruises. And you need to pull over. You need to work on some confession, repentance, reconciliation, forgiveness. That's the way. So it's a pure way. It's clean in how you actually live your life. And it's cleansing. As you do get dirty, there's opportunities to be cleaned again. So here's the deal. Specifically, young men, again, this applies to everybody, but young men and women, have you ever asked that question? Does this concern you? If you are a believer, this is of great importance. Or maybe you just feel like it's, you know, it's impossible. This day and age, you know, there's no way. It's just there's so much... Insanity out there, so much sin, it's just it's impossible to get through this life unspoiled. Well, let me tell you, or even better, let, let God tell you, there is hope. There is an answer to this question. And this answer is immediately given. Saints, again, especially you young folks, you have hope. First, for those that humbly ask the ultimate question... God will answer you. So believe in the only answer. That's our second point, verse 9b. Believe in the only answer. What's the answer? It's by keeping it according to your word. I think it's pretty amazing. When you're looking at your, your, your biggest life issues, how you're going to carve out your way in, in this life, this is the most simple answer. And aren't you glad for that? It's not confusing at all. That The simplest child can understand this, this answer. There's no PhD required. You don't have to diagram this and, and dissect it and try to figure it all out. There's no confusion. It's very simple, very clear. And always it's simple. It's a very specific answer. There's only one specific answer. There's only one direct answer. You know, there's no wells. You know, sometimes you do this, sometimes you try this, sometimes it may work. No, he's very, very simple, very, very specific. There's only one way to get through this world unspoiled. So let's dig in. What does it mean to keep? By, by keeping it according to your word. 
To keep means to observe, to guard, or to heed. So in other words, you have to deliberately seek out and follow the directions. Okay, so where are the directions? That's right in the answer. It's very simple, right? According to your word. From the Old Testament view, one author puts it this way. This is God's divine communication in the form of commandments, prophecy, and words of help to his people. God gave you his word to help you, to direct you, to give you that straight and smooth and clean way to live your life. Here I need to take a few minutes to explain how God's words direct you. So I'm going to read a lot more verses than we normally do. It's usually kind of dangerous to bounce around a little bit. So I'm just going to read them to you. You don't have to try and follow along. But I can't just tell you that God's word has these answers and just, I don't want to expect you to believe it. I want you to see it. I want you to hear it. So I'm going to be bouncing around a little bit more than, than usual. But primary, the, the primary direction. I'm going to read this verse again. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So this is first and foremost. This is primary. God's word directs you to salvation. You must first be saved through faith in Christ. So before you even think about how I'm going to live my life, you know, how, what's the best way to do it, salvation is primary. That's the first step. You, you cannot do this without Christ. You cannot do this without a new heart. Without salvation, living a holy life is neither possible or even palpable. You don't even want to do it. Why would you want to live for Christ when you, if you're in your sin, you're just going to want to live for yourself? This starts all the way back in Genesis 3.15. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. So again, there's this vague idea of salvation that's coming. The Old Testament starts with a, this reference to one that will have complete dominion over the devil. So this person, this, this Savior, this Messiah is spoken of throughout the Old Testament and, and his person kind of gets filled out more and more and, until he finally comes in the flesh 2,000 years ago. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is a radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. There we have the ultimate word, God's ultimate authoritative word, Jesus Christ himself. By his perfect life and unjust death, he made purification of sins. All right, so why does there need to be purification of sins? Because you're a sinner. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, so how does that, how does that purification of sin get applied to me? Again, Romans 10.9-13 says that if you confess with your mouth... Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, 
and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Very clear. Through faith, Jesus' perfectly righteous life is credited to you, and your perfectly just death, the death that you deserved, the payment for your sin, was applied to Christ on the cross. And just in case you're thinking, well, maybe there's another way, you know, another way to be saved, another way to do this. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name by, under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Very clear. This is not hard to understand. There is a very clear path to salvation. Only God's word can direct you to God's salvation in Christ Jesus. Not only that, next, God's word not only directs you to salvation, which again is a primary and must come first, but also sanctification. Sanctification in this sense is, is living a life that is more and more pleasing and in line with Christ. And that's really the, the thrust of our text this morning. It's, it's the way you live your life. David asked, how can you make it and keep it pure? Again, this is written from the perspective of someone who trusted in God's salvation and wanted to live a life that was consistent with that salvation. Here we read 1 Thessalonians 4, 1-3. It says, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. See, God's word has direct direction for every aspect of your life. And it's interesting that the very first thing mentioned in regard to sanctification in this text, is to abstain from sexual immorality. The text then goes on to say that you need to use your body to honor Christ. Young people, you, you know the world is not telling you this. The, the world is telling you the exact opposite. As we'll see in a minute, you need to resolve to live holy for Christ, and you need to do it now. Do it while you're young. You don't have to experience the filth of this world. It will not give you the joys that it promises. God himself created you, and he knows what's best for you. Your body belongs to Christ. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, you know, I've got some issues that are much deeper than that. It's, these are deep, internal, emotional issues and I've been told I need a psychologist and all kinds of therapies and medication. Brothers and sisters, don't believe the world's lies. There is nothing that goes deeper than the word of God. Amen. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as a division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. See, no psychologist, no psychic, not even your best sidekick can do what the Word of God can do. 
No one can reveal and correct Yahat like the Word of God. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that you shouldn't talk to people about your problems. We're called to do that. What I am saying is that if the people you are talking to are not giving you counsel from the Word of God, then you need to run. They will, despite their best efforts. They may really love you and care about you, but despite their best efforts, they're going to lead you astray. So only the Word of God will do. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Let me read that again. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That's everything. That's completion. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. God's word is sufficient to guide you through all of life's issues. Again, it shows you how to view God, yourself, and the world around you. It tells you how to think rightly, so you can make wise decisions that will honor Christ, bring glory to God, and even benefit yourself and those around you. God's word is the only answer to your ultimate question. And again, I'm sticking with the, the main themes, salvation, sanctification. We know the word of God actually does go even into, all right, who am I going to marry? You know, you're not going to find a verse about that. What kind of job should I get? You're not going to find a verse that tells you that. But the scripture will direct you. It will, what kind of job should I even look for? What kind of spouse should I look for? But again, the, the word of God directs every aspect of life. Uh, I'm just hitting the tip of the iceberg here. All right, so you've asked the ultimate question, and you believe in the only answer. So what's next? Number three, commit wholeheartedly to Christ. This is verses 10 through 16. First, you've got to understand that means you've got work to do. This text requires you to work. Notice all the actions required. If you, go, if you have a highlighter, go ahead and highlight or underline the, the, each I or me or my in these verses. This is how you commit wholeheartedly to Christ. So when you get saved, you don't instantaneously become perfect and everything you do is good and right. You have to work at it. And, and the truth is, you actually never will become perfect until you're with Christ in glory. But here and now, you have to put in the effort. Practice now. Again, young folks, practice while you're young. Start making that path nice and smooth. James 1.22, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. A couple of verses later, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Again, the happy way is the holy way. Amen. What's really interesting here is how the text actually goes, goes beyond mere written words. All right? These aren't just written words in, in our Bible here. It's personal. It's It's relational. 
Look at the end of verse, verses 10 and 11. It's, I sought you, and I don't want to sin against you. This is not just a collection of rules for, the, for rule's sake. This is for a relationship, a relationship with Christ. God's word is ultimately about Christ. Luke twenty four forty four says, Now he said to them, and this is Jesus speaking, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and even the Psalms must be fulfilled. So the aim of this book, our, our, our Bible, is not to merely help you live the right way, but to be in an affectionate, intimate relationship with Christ. These following verses, and even the whole of scriptures, make this really clear. So there are three practices you must apply in order for you to commit wholeheartedly to Christ. First, you must grow in your devotion. You see, it's in verses 10 and 11 and 12 as well. Verse 10 is... Honestly, I read this verse a couple times and it made me laugh. Um, it's such an accurate depiction of a believer. He starts off with, all my heart, I have sought you. And isn't that where you want to be? Isn't that your heart's cry? You wake up in the morning, you're, you're, maybe it's quiet, you're just spending time in the Word, you're in prayer, and you, your heart's just on fire, you just want to live for the Lord, you just can't envision anything else but just being with Christ, going throughout your day. You get up and you knock your coffee over, and you, oh man, and, and it's, it's already gone. It, with all my heart I have sought you, do not let me wander from your commandments. That's the reality of the Christian life. That's why the text immediately falls up with that. Do not let me wander from your commandments. That's the Christian's life in a nutshell. You, you, you got to understand, your heart will never be sufficient, uh, sufficient means of sanctification. It's not going to come from within you. It just, it's not going to happen. You need the direction given by the word of God. Again, verse 11, you, you, you see the, the heart storing up. It's, it's treasuring up more and more. It just can't get enough. Keep filling it up. Why? Again, it's, it's relational. It's not your word I've treasured in my heart that I might not do the wrong thing. It's not ultimately about that. It's not. You store up his word because you don't want to sin against him. You want to please him and honor him with your life. You know, the more your heart is filled up with the word less it will be filled up with the world. And in verse 12, is like the, the climax of this relationship. Worship just, just comes bubbling out. Blessed are you, O Lord. This is the reason you love him. You love him because he is absolutely lovable. You've experienced his undying love and grace and mercy, and you want to experience more of him. And so you do whatever it takes to grow in devotion to him. That's why he says, teach me your statutes. You're so enamored with Christ that you just want to be with him. You want to be like him. You know this verse, Romans 12, 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So the more you learn and practice his statutes, the more you're transformed into his likeness. It is your duty to grow in devotion to Christ, and it is also your delight. The second practice you must apply in order for you to commit wholeheartedly to Christ 
is that you must constantly exercise. As much as this starts in the heart, it has to get worked out. This is the, the overflow of the heart. We see that in verse 13. It says, My lips I have told of all the ordinances of, ordinances of your mouth. This is the idea that you're constantly recounting or rehearsing all of God's righteous judgments. You know what God says about justice. You know what God calls right and what he calls wrong. So you consistently bring it to mind by reciting it, talking about it, singing about it, telling it to others. If you've tasted the kindness of the Lord, then you've got to talk about it. Look at verse 14. I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. The word testimony here is speaking of, of the whole law of God in general. All of his revealed will. Notice here that in this verse, the emphasis for the reason you rejoice is because you are practicing or, or walking in the way of his testimonies. So you're, you're busy with it and you're enjoying it. Now, why would you enjoy walking in the revealed will of God? Well, there's a lot of answers to that, to be honest. But specifically here, it's that re- this rejoicing is tied to the benefits received from walking in his will. It's, it's likely, likened to rejoicing in all riches. There, let's face it, there's benefits to being wealthy. You need something, you go buy it. It's not a big deal. It's done. There's that sense of sufficiency, always having enough, never, never being in want. This is why folks are always chasing after wealth. But you, you have something much better than wealth. See, walking in the will of God brings more joy. Joy that this world cannot buy. As Jesus ministered on this earth, he, he talked a lot about joy. In John 15, he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So notice how joy is a direct result of love that is experienced through obedience. It's, it's keeping his commandments, the, the way of your testimonies. Once again, happiness and holiness go together. You can't separate them. Lastly, you must not only grow in your devotion, you must constantly exercise, but lastly, you must, in order to commit wholeheartedly to Christ, you must resolve to finish strong. This is verse 15 and 16. Notice the resolve. I will meditate on your precepts. And essentially, I will read God in your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make as a, as a young person in your Christian life is to think that you know, someday I'm going to get to a point where I can just kind of coast. I can take it easy. Don't let that be you. Resolve to fight to the finish, to excel still more. You young folks, you've got a long road ahead of you. By the grace of God, own it. He says, I will meditate on your precepts. To meditate on his precepts is, is to think about, to ponder, to go over and over in your mind 
all that God has commanded you to do and to be. And this goes beyond just memorizing scripture. Now that's necessary, but it's not enough. Not only do you have to know it in your head, but you have to know it in your life. You have to take time to think and plan. How does this actually relate? How am I going to work this out? How am I going to live it out? It can't just stay in your head. It can't just stay on your refrigerator, on your bumper stickers. That's why he moves on and said, I will regard your ways. You must be firmly convinced that his ways are best. His ways are clean and pure. And this is particularly helpful when someone or something comes along and and promises you that that, that shortcut that you're looking for, that that easy way out. Another way that's going to promise, you know, so much fulfillment. Oh, just follow your heart. Oh, just follow this latest guru on, you know, TV or some social media. God's way is best. It's tried and true. You know, it's never failed anyone ever. If you earnestly walk by faith, his word will not fail you. And again, looking ahead at these firm convictions will give you hope. That's that's the point of this. There is hope. Verse 16 begins, I shall delight in your statutes. You can be fully convinced that serving Christ is pleasurable. Does that shock some people? Didn't Jesus himself say, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, that's a smooth path. Does it delight you just to know that your salvation was earned by the blood, sweat, and tears of somebody else? You need to delight in that. You need to keep delighting in that. And you can't forget to delight in that. Lastly, you have to resolve not to forget. He says, I shall not forget your word. I think we use the word forget a little too loosely. Um, I think if you're honest, most times the reason you forgot about something is because you didn't take the time to remember it. That's why your wife is so mad at you when you say, oh, I forgot to do that. You didn't take the time to remember. So you need to make it a point to remember his word. Resolve to finish strong. Saints, especially you young men, women, boys and girls, will you commit wholeheartedly to Christ? Will you submit to and rejoice in the direction of God's word for your life? Do you want that smooth path where holiness and happiness come together? You know, I had Jason read a couple texts and it was referring to Timothy. And I did it on purpose. Timothy was a young man. Paul, at the end of his life, he's literally handing off his ministry to this young dude. Why? From childhood, his mother, his grandmother taught him the word of God. As he grew, he practiced it. Paul took him under his shoulder, under his wings, and, and discipled him. He saw him work it out. 
Timothy probably had this scripture memorized. It's not impossible for you to get through this life unscathed in, in the sense of your, your, your purity, your, your, your moral, morals. God's word gives you specific direction how to get through this life, how to do, your, this, this, how to do life, how to make your way. And you young folks, again, I don't want to pick on you, but you've got a lot of life ahead of you. You've got a lot of walking and making that path to do. In one sense, you're not walking a new path that anybody hasn't walked before, but in the other sense, you're walking it for the first time. No one else can walk it for you. You need the direction of God's word, and he is more than happy to give it to you. He sent his son to make it so clear. Here's salvation. Here's sanctification. Here's how you walk this life in a way that honors me, glorifies the Father, and benefits you. Close in prayer. Father, we just ask that you would move, Lord. You are pleased to give us your word. You are pleased to have us walk in your will, side by side, in a sense. You're pleased to see us do well. You're pleased to see us refrain from sin. God, it brings you honor and it it brings us blessing. God, I pray in particular for the the young people right here in this this very church. God, we use them mightily. Would they be resolved now to be wholly committed to Christ? To love Christ even more than father and mother, more than fame or fortune. God, do your work in our midst. Continue to save, continue to sanctify. Let your word have its work. Let it be powerful. Let it be effective. Use this for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.